Our scripture reading this morning comes from John 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is God's word. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Bob Allums, and I'm one of the new guys here. So uh, I know at some point you can't say that anymore, but I'll ride on that excuse just as long as I can. Uh, my wife, Helen, and I just moved here in uh, February from the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Yeah, I'll just pause and let that sink in. Just <laughs> and one of the, my favorite questions has been, well, there are a couple of them. One, why Winter Haven? Uh, and that's a fun one, but I'll not... not the other one is, what's been the greatest challenge in moving from a large northern city to a, a really neat place like Winter Haven, Florida. And believe it or not, it's not the climate. You would think it would be the climate, right? Many of you try to guess the climate. It's not the climate. It's the driving. <laughs> I, we're really trying to learn how to not use our turn signal. <laughs> but perhaps the greatest challenge coming from a large northern metropolitan area to, to here is learning how to count to 10 when the traffic light turns green. <laughs> Most people would laugh at that, but I forgot to tell you. <laughs> but seriously, we love it here. And even though I've almost rear-ended a couple of dozen people, we still love being here, and we love being part of this church. We want to thank you for welcoming us uh, so warmly and so graciously into the Redeemer family. We just love it here. Well, thank you. Um, I was a PCA pastor for 14 years. And also worked in Christian publishing. If you've ever read the ESV translation like Susan just did, you know eight years of our work. 
I also work for Paul Miller. I head up the division called A Praying Life, that part of See Jesus. So my unique calling in life is I just go out wherever invited, and I try to get God's people talking to him again. Does that make sense? You know, one of the things Helen will ask me uh, at the end of, uh, of a day, and it's more often than not, is she'll say, did you hear from any of the kids today? Did you hear from any of our kids today? Now, all our kids are grown up, gone, and doing well. Nobody's living in the basement. Three cheers, hallelujah, for that. But you know what we long for as dad and mom? We long for them to call and just say hi. Just connect. And you know what? We didn't invent that. That was put to us in creation. It's a reflection of our Father's love for you. He loves it when you come and connect with him and just say hi. Amen? Oh, Father, we come in Jesus' name this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the farewell discourse, John 14, 15, and 16. Father, we pray for a fresh filling of your spirit to the point of overflowing. May we bear fruit this day and so prove to be your disciples. May the joy of the Lord be our strength and may our joy be made full in you, Lord Jesus. Oh, come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Lead us as we break open the written word. Please lead us to connect with the living word. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, boy, the culture is broken, isn't it? Wasn't this, I mean, to be honest, wasn't this a very depressing week? You wondered what, which area, which city, which setting is going to be the next battleground. And you could barely process Nice when Dallas happened. And you could barely process Dallas when Baton Rouge happened. And, and it's Munich. And, you, you know, it's just, oh, my goodness, what's happening to this world? It's almost unrecognizable. And so what I want to do this morning is just bring to you a promise from our Savior. And that is this. My joy will be in you. Your joy will be made full. So this morning for a few minutes, I'd like to just talk to you about the joy of the Lord, even in the midst of a world that is falling apart. Now, just for fun, can I give about four preliminary remarks? <laughs> that way I don't get criticized for having too long of a sermon. But, <clears throat> first of all, <clears throat> I'm going to be talking about <clears throat> this concept called joy. Another way the Bible puts it is the blessedness, if you will. And another tra great translation for blessedness is just simply the word happiness. So, believe it or not, I'm going to be talking about happiness in our Father, happiness in God even while the world falls apart. And then secondly, I realize that in a group this size, some of you are going through very difficult struggles. You really are suffering. 
And I just want you to know, I am not trying to be insensitive to you who are in the midst of great suffering this morning, okay? Uh, I've been there a little bit. Uh, as a young man, I had cancer. <clears throat> and um, and uh, uh, had half of my tongue removed and the left side of my face and the left side of my neck and part of my shoulder. I, I, kind of, I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm a mess. I only have half a tongue left. But don't worry, I can still preach a whole sermon. <laughs> but I've been there. I know what it's like to suffer loss, and I don't. So I want to connect with you that are going through suffering. So the things I'm going to say today are generally true. Not without exception, generally. If you're going through a hard time, sometimes it's hard to read some of the passages on joy in the Bible. And then thirdly, can I share that uh, I'm going to be bringing up some of the themes in a praying life. And a praying life is just a course that gets people, gets Christians doing all of life through prayer again. I remember that uh, I invited Paul Miller out to my church in Chicago to teach. And he was just putting the frameworks together for the Praying Life Seminar. And he gave it in a basement of a friend of mine, my, his house in Elgin, Illinois. And I remember going through those outlines. And I went back and told Helen, honey, I think I've been doing the Christian life all wrong. <laughs> what, a, what a thing to go home and tell your wife. I'll let you think on that one, too. That was, that was funny, and I forgot to tell you. Oh, by the way, if I say something funny, just remember, I will help you. I will laugh for you. But if you don't mind, I will bring in some of the themes of a praying life, because it's one of the few things that has had the most impact in how I go out and do life as a believer. And then, uh, lastly... What I'm going to be talking about really deals with the question, now what? I mean, we love the gospel of grace, don't we? We love the great comprehensive doctrines of the word of God. Doctrines like the sovereignty of God, the glory of God and Christ and the gospel, the power of the spirit. And isn't it fun? You get to come to church, and you get to hear this, and you go think about it, and then you go home, and you read books about it, and you go to lunch, and you talk about it. But sometimes, if you're like me, the great challenge becomes, in, okay, now, how do I go do life? Right? Yeah. Now, how do I do life? How do I manage my retirement? How do I wash the dishes? How do I love my wife? How do I encourage my kids? How do I do the lawn? You know, I mean, just, just how do you go do life in light of that? Today, what I'd like to do is just talk about doing life in light of the joy that Jesus promises. So, okay, here we are. Uh, first of all, there is a joy that everyone you know is seeking. In fact, it's a joy found in our culture overall that it, people are seeking joy, but they just cannot seem to find it. Have you noticed that? People are seeking happiness, but they cannot seem to find it. 
And what we're seeing in our culture today, this kind of unraveling, if you will, of even some of the basic institutions of our culture and our world, actually we trace back to about the period called the Enlightenment, about 1789, about the time of the French Revolution. And in this period called the Enlightenment, here's what happened. Philosophers began to promote the idea that man really could begin with himself and through the process of reason or rationalism, end with himself. Are, are you with me? In other words, we could basically define our meaning just simply through the process of human reason. Now, did you get subtly what that means? It means that God was written out of the script. We don't need to be dependent upon him. We don't, if we want to worship him, that's okay, but that's just kind of ingredients on the meat. The real meat of doing life is doing it through the mind, through human reason. And this was called the Enlightenment. And in this period of the Enlightenment, man began, began to really get more and more fascinated with himself. And we didn't need God, we didn't need the hidden world, we didn't need spirituality. And before you know it, the institutions of society began to unravel. Now, it happened very incrementally at first. It took a while to begin to build up this steam. But now we have a culture in which man, based on his own, based on his reason, and apart from God, has decided to completely redefine marriage. <laughs> Isn't that kind of funny? I mean, it, you can't help but laugh. I want to say to these folks that want to redefine marriage, I want to go, oh, so all the centuries before, everybody got it wrong? <laughs> Don't you think that's a twinge, arrogant? <laughs> well, let's redefine gender identity. You know? Now, I'm a man... But if I really want to be a woman, it's okay as long as I prefer to be a woman. And we're in a culture where people are honestly saying, that's fine. <laughs> you with me? So it's really unraveling now. In fact, it's almost bewildering. Our world has become almost unrecognizable. So the, the culture is going through this period of unraveling, of discombobulation. And then secondly, the culture is still seeking happiness. Happiness has become sort of a god that it's seeking. But have you ever noticed no one has ever sought happiness and found it? You say, what? No one has ever sought happiness in and of itself and found it. Where does the happiness come from that you and I were wired to enjoy? It comes only from a passionate following of and loving of Jesus Christ. You with me? Where does the happiness come from? It comes by walking in the way that the Lord has led you. So happiness is always a byproduct, a gift, 
from faithfully following Jesus. It's never an end in itself. Uh, and then um, next that we've noticed is that depression is on the rise. We are learning more and more about depression. And, and please, again, if you suffer with depression, I understand. Okay, and we have made great strides in the medical community, in the treatment community. Thank God for them. But what we're finding is that depression is on the rise, especially among young people. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. It's this. You and I were wired at creation for happiness. You and I were wired for joy. Okay? Now, it's been marred by the fall, but it is still there. And the reason you and I have been wired for happiness and joy is because our God is happy and joyous. So what does that mean? It means this. Think about the things in life you really enjoy. Okay? Uh, I'll just, boating, fishing, I don't know, bicycling, golf your work, your family. You with me? All those things you genuinely enjoy. And those are like samples at the food court at the mall. <laughs> you ever been walking through the mall and there at the Thai restaurant was a young lady with a tray out there and there was a little piece of orange chicken with a toothpick in it? And they're just... You know, and she smiles at you and she offers you the sample. And what do you do? Well, you want to be nice and gracious. You're Redeemerites. And so you take it and you eat it and you compliment her. Oh, what delicious orange chicken. Thank you very much. What she's hoping you'll do is come in and order the full entree. Right? The things you enjoy in this life that you find genuine enjoyment in, those are samples of what is to come. Those are designed by the Father to whet your appetite for even more. Does that make sense? You're wired for joy. You're wired for it. Um, uh, so, anyway, the world is trying to find this joy. It can't do it. In fact, it's getting worse because the world is falling apart. Because it's trying to make a God out of joy based on rationalism rooted in the Enlightenment. But then secondly, there is this thing, there's a joy in the Trinity. There is this thing called the blessing of God. And I promise we're going to get to the, the text. Uh, I should call it, there's this joy among the, the three members of the Trinity. They genuinely enjoy each other, you know? I mean, Jesus in John 17, one of the ways he gets through the coming agony of the cross, is he says, uh, Father, <clears throat> oh, it's so powerful. Father, I genuinely want them, the disciples and the, those who come after the disciples, to have what you and I have. The joy that we have. You know, the intimacy that we have. The relationship that we have. And 
this, it's just going to help me get through this agony of the cross. I'm going to know that they, we, are invited into that. Does that make sense? Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, He will glorify me. He will lift me up. And Jesus said, I sit at the right hand of the Father and I live to make intercession. Do you see see all this relating going on between the members of the Trinity? It's neat. I I love how uh, Douglas Jones, who was a distinguished fellow at New St. Andrews College, I listened to a series of lectures by him at a pastor's conference, and he even suggests that there's actually a playfulness, a sense of humor among the members of the Trinity. I mean, just think about it, that creation. Think about this. A giraffe. <laughs> a giraffe. You ever looked at one? God, wow. Lord, what's up with that? <laughs> what were you thinking? Or a platypus. Doug Jones says, when I look at a platypus, then I think, oh, Lord, now you're really messing with my head. (laughs) And the scripture is full of this word, blessed. Uh, In Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life in your presence is the fullness of joy. You see, there's a happiness in the presence of God. A fullness, if you will. Or we feast on the abundance of your house You, Lord, give them drink from the river of your delights. Or the Gospels, Jesus is constantly painting pictures of a joyous father. He tells us that, well, his his parables are rooted in great parties. (laughs) I mean, the wedding feast in Matthew 22, or the great banquet in Luke 14. Now, all of this is to say that in this word, happiness, blessedness. There's this thing called the blessing of the Lord. And I, hear me out on this. I, you might be looking at me rather suspiciously because in the last hundred years, Christians got nervous about translating the word blessed into happy. Okay? Do, do you know why? It's okay, I'll tell you. What happened was uh, we in the ministry began to see more and more people who wanted to justify outright disobedience in the name of pursuing happiness, okay? So let's say you're the pastor and I'm coming to see you, and I would say, you know, I want to leave Helen after all these years of marriage because we're we're, we're grumpy all the time. We snip at each other, and we're just not happy anymore. And God would never want me to be unhappy. You see? And so we were kind of using that as our excuse for walking in a way outside of the counsel of the Scripture. But really, and what we would do, oh, by the way, what we would do is we would say there's a difference between God's happiness and God's holiness. And our counsel to you as pastors would have been, God calls you to be holy. And let the happiness come where it may. Right? And it's true. He calls us to be faithful. But there really is this point of joy. 
And in the farewell discourse, what Jesus is saying in John 15 is he's saying, guys, I'm going to go away from you. I'm going to leave you, but you're going to be okay. In fact, you're going to be more than okay. You're actually going to bear more fruit than you ever imagined possible. And if you do what I tell you, I will give you my joy, and your joy will be made full. Does that make sense, where, where this is going? Um, there are things in your life that bring you joy, but you even know that it's an incomplete joy. It's not completely satisfied, right? And Jesus is saying, I'm going to complete your joy. I'm going to give you something you, you, you never thought possible. And what's the joy I'm going to give you is the joy that I have with my Father and with the Spirit. Have you ever been walking one evening? You know, it's a beautiful evening, the sun is setting, and it's, there's a cool breeze. And you happen to walk by a house with a big porch on it, and a lot of people are up on the porch, and they're kind of having a party. You can tell they're visiting, they're eating fattening food, they're, you know, drinking frosty beverages, you know, you can just kind of tell they're having a good time. And you look up, and someone waves at you and invites you to come up to the joy that's on the porch. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I, the Spirit, and the Father are having a great time, and you're welcome to join us. That's the gospel. Amen. The joy you're seeking is up on the porch. It's not out there in the yard. My joy I will give you. And this, in, my, in giving, me, giving you my joy, I'm going to get you through all the tribulations and all the heartaches of a collapsing culture. That's God's grace in the gospel. Now, let me just share with you how he talks about this. He says it's going to come through the friendship of Christ. In John 15, he said, no longer am I going to call you servants, I'm going to call you friends. Yeah, I love how he changes the metaphor from family to friends here. Do you like that? Isn't that neat? I mean, let's face it, you, uh, you can't pick your cousins, but you can pick your friends. And you really learn who loves you when you're in the emergency room in the middle of the night, you know, and you think to yourself, okay, whom can I call? I mean, how many of us call our cousins? <laughs> you call your friend. A cousin is kind of obligated to come help you. A friend is not. When a friend shows up, the love is all the richer and all the deeper. Jesus, by switching metaphors, says, I just want you to know, when I look at you, I see my friend. But here's what it all comes down to, and this is what I want to give you today. It's not just the joy in the friendship of Christ. It is this thing called abiding with me staying vitally connected to me. What Jesus is saying, he's telling the disciples, hey guys, it's going to be a wild ride for you and your descendants. What he's saying to Redeemer is, 
friends, your world is going to fall apart. You're going to be tempted to become discombobulated like it. But I tell you, you've got to hang on to me. It's going to be a wild ride. But stay ye connected with me. Amen? Make sense? And how do you do this? How do you abide in me? Well, if you're like most of us, you're probably pretty good at reading the Word, aren't you? Do you, like to, do you enjoy reading the Bible? And some of us like to enjoy reading big, fat books that kind of, you know, help us break down the Bible, right? I mean, we have seminaries where people pay to go do this. I mean, it's kind of, I, I don't know, yeah, I find it to be one of the easier parts of doing life. And you love coming to church, right? Anybody else like me, you wake up a couple of times Saturday night and you just wonder, now, is it time to get up now? Can I go there now? When is it? You know? Yeah, anybody? Like, uh, no? Just me? Okay. <laughs> right? You know, you, oh boy, the joy of the community. This is going to be great. And how many of you are excited about helping out in children's ministry? You know? Yeah. Gosh, I'm in. Well, you may not want me after this. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of exciting. Here's what Jesus said. The hardest part is going to be staying connected in me through prayer. It's going to be developing the praying life in you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask of me. Six times in the farewell discourse, Jesus says, ask of me, ask in my name, ask whatever you wish. Abide in my word, my word abides in you, ask, 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 ask. You see what Jesus is saying? By the way, I'm just going to give you a hint. Have you ever noticed the word of God always commands toward our weaknesses? You'll never see a command of Scripture, thou shalt thoroughly enjoy thy Boston cream pie. <laughs> the Word of God knows you're going to enjoy the dessert. Where it commands is toward our weaknesses. And if Jesus says, look, I'm going to give you my joy, you're going to get through even a disintegrating culture rooted in the Enlightenment and marred by sin, and I tell you, I'm going to get you through Hey, guys, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and the Spirit is going to come and prepare you for that place. But let me tell you, you've got to stay connected. Develop your praying life. Amen? Do all of life through prayer. I like to put it this way in our seminars. By the way, they're always usually young ladies who are looking for godly men to marry, and that deep down they believe there are none. God doesn't make them anymore. <laughs> and I love to go, oh, no, no, sweetheart, you've got to start asking for a man. Asking for a man that's been fashioned and made for you. Amen? And it's kind of fun to see their faith kind of come back. For a lot of them, they've been dead a long time. And, but let me tell you, you're not just asking for a godly man. You're not just asking for a Christian man. You're asking for an actively praying man. Why is that? When I love my wife, who's sitting right here, I want to put my best foot forward while we're dating, right? And maybe even in engagement. But what happens if I'm trying to love her, and instead of staying vitally connected to the Father, 
abiding in Christ, living the praying life. What happens if I unplug and let the, <laughs> let the power cord just fall? What happens? Eventually, I run out of juice. You see? My joy I'm going to give you, and here's your part in it. You've got to get serious about asking things of me. Ask me questions about the nitty-gritty of your life. Ask for help. Ask for insight. Ask things of me. This is what you're going to be most tempted to forget because Jesus commanded it six times in one sermon. Now, as you ask, I want to encourage you to watch for the story to develop. You're going to begin to see these prayer stories happen, and they're, whoa, it's going to get wild. <laughs> you know? Okay, you with me? Can I give you a neat prayer story that happened just this week? Can I, if I promise to hurry? I'll talk just as fast as a guy with half a tongue can talk. I got a niece who just had a baby, first baby. Wonderful time. We had all the fun they had. You know, okay, you with me? Plugging in, right? Baby was born with a rash, okay? Not a big deal. Doctor said, we'll watch this rash, okay? When my niece took her little daughter into the pediatrician, for a two-week checkup, that rash was still there. In fact, it had gotten worse. Now, here's what I love about this thoroughly educated, board-certified, wonderful young pediatrician. A woman, a young, you know, looked like she could be my daughter. You know what she did? She's a doctor who practices medicine through prayer. And she went into her office and she took my, the little baby's chart and she opened it and she just began to pray. And she asked of the father and she said, Father, what am I missing? What should, where should I go with this? And while she was in prayer, the word histiocytosis came to mind. And she thought, could it be? That's awfully rare. Only one in 200,000 have that. But that led to her testing for this really rough disease. And it turned out to be positive, which led her to call St. Jude's Hospital in Memphis to set up an appointment for the very next morning at 9 a.m., which led to a protocol of care. You with me? You see? Don't you love? Don't you want to go to doctors that connect with the great physician? Amen? It's doing all of life through prayer. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to get you through the collapse of the culture. In fact, you'll even be part of the happiness that I and the Father and the Spirit enjoy, even as your world falls apart. But here's what you got to do. you got to take praying life seriously. you got to watch what I do, both in you and in the story. And then lastly, note our... Uh, oh, that is the key to the Christian's joy in this life. And then lastly, note the coming joy in the future. A day is coming when all of this bad news will be over. I promise it will all be over. And we are going to have a hoot of a time. And I love how the Bible pictures it. We're going to have this thing called the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
Gentlemen of the audience, we're going to get to eat. <laughs> Ladies, we're going to get to laugh and connect and talk. And I don't know what it's going to be like, but I think, I don't know, a guy like me will get up and share a testimony, and you'll all laugh, and we'll all rejoice and worship. And then it'll be Barry's turn, and Barry will get up, and we'll, have a hoot, we'll all have a fit. You know, and we've got a long eternity to do. It's going to be a great time. I learned a long time ago the most fun thing in life is to hang around my girls on feast day. Nothing is more fun than to be in the kitchen where my wife and my two daughters and my daughter-in-law are all in there preparing fun things. And gentlemen, I learned the way you work your way in is you volunteer to do the dishes. And you get to be part of the joy. You get to be on the front porch of the Father's joy. A joy is coming. Uh, John said it this way, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and he himself will be with us as our God. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Now that kind of joy is your strength even in the midst of a collapsing culture. Oh, Father, don't let us get so distracted by the bad news that we lose sight of this promise. Oh, Lord Jesus, please give us your joy and make our joy full. Mm. Oh, Father, we pray for help in praying through life and doing life now. Oh, Father, we pray for the encouragement that comes through your spirit. And, Father, thank you for inviting us to your party. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The commission to you this week is to go out in the joy of the Lord. Yes, the world is falling apart. You don't have to fall apart with it. You and I are invited to a party. It's a party in the, the, in the Trinity. Amen? Enjoy your work. Enjoy your families. Enjoy your fellowship. They're all precursors of a great banquet that's to come. Now receive the Lord's blessing. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.